93.3 FM. The PSJs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Uh, Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station's 1460 KXNO and 106.3 on the FM dial. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you until noon as uh, both of those formats return to local sports for the next couple of hours. And we appreciate you spending uh, some of your morning here with us. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list here this morning, in about 25 minutes, we are going to head west uh, to Nebraska. Mitch Sherman covers the dumpster fire that is the Husker football program for the Athletic. We will uh, talk to Mitch Sherman on um, how bad it is. Is Have they hit rock bottom yet? Is there any climbing out of it in the foreseeable future? We'll, we'll talk to Mitch Sherman about that and more at about 10.25 as the defections continue from yesterday. The fallout uh, remains. And we'll get the latest uh, from Mitch. We will then switch gears and talk about the Big Four, the Big Four college basketball teams in our state. No, they're not getting back together, sadly, at Wells Fargo Arena anytime uh, soon. But we will uh, speak to Kevin Lehman about Drake, you and I, Iowa, and Iowa State. We'll pick his brain on those. I'm sure we'll spend a significant portion of the uh, chat with uh, Kevin discussing the come-from-behind remarkable performance out of the undefeated Bulldogs last night as the beat goes on when they looked like they had absolutely nothing in the first 20 minutes. What a remarkable turnaround. Cappy's here at 11.05. He joins us every Wednesday, Centurion Stone of Iowa. With sponsors, the Capman. We'll get into the Cubs. We'll get into the Bears. We'll get into Chicago sports as we do with Cappy. Probably some Hall of Fame conversation with Cap as well, as he's a good baseball man. And then uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. We will talk football with Bill, both college and NFL, uh, with Bill Bender as the uh, chatter. Just um, look, it's going to be this is going to be one of these off-season topics. I think till the dominoes start falling, that the audience may start to get sick of. But all of this. Quarterback strength, and there's so many of them out there, and so many of them are going to be getting their mail in a different city. And it's the NFL, and it's the most position, uh, most important position in all the sports. So we're going to talk about it, and we'll do so with Bill Benner because the Aaron Rodgers stuff is not going away. How are you? I'm doing well. I got a, a housekeeping question for you. I've noticed something changing this week from you, and I know you like your routine. <laughs> what did I do different? Well, because uh, yesterday we had to move our vehicles uh-huh. because of the snow, right? And that threw you off your routine where you didn't get your water break at right. ten ten forty five. Ten forty five. You still were watch. able to get it. But you had to go yeah. downstairs. It really threw yeah, you off. I, I didn't like it at all. You uh, I had a bad second hour because of it. <laughs> you've been saying to, for this week, Des Moines Sports Stations. Yes. Well, it's just one station, though. Well, it is, but there's two formats. Two frequencies. Frequencies, right. One station. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, I get. You. I just I wanted to check because I noticed the change coming from you. And there was no uh, there was no memo and that thing said no, no. that uh, that this is how we're going to brand them. I just kind of took it upon myself, and you know what? I'm going to um, take that one to heart. Yeah. It's Des Moines Sports Station. It is all right. One station. One station. Two frequencies. Two frequencies. Yeah. For people that don't know, you can catch us on the FM dial. 
You can. I think a lot of people do. 106.3 on the FM dial. We're grateful that everybody catches us from 10 until noon, and there's always room for more, so spread the word. How about those doggies last night? Unbelievable, Trent. That that was... Tale of two halves. Dead on arrival. It looked like they had nothing from the beginning. And that comeback, this team... Yes. and Roman Penn. The way that three different years for DeVries, three... Mm-hmm. Teams built completely different in those three years. And the way that it's been not a roster overhaul over a year, but a lot of new faces, a lot of mixing parts. Right. Liam Robbins walked off the team last year and yeah. right into one of the better big, better bigs in the Big Ten, a, le- a league that's known for their fives. Maybe one of the top ten in the country? Is that it's, a stretch it's not for Robbins? crazy. I mean, I can't say that I've seen them all, but mm-hmm. I certainly pay attention to the conferences that move the needle here. He's been tr- tremendous. So your point's well taken. You lose that guy. Yeah. You don't know what the roster's going to look like. Of course you're going through this. Three years, three different teams, and success in every single one of them. In the middle, towards the end of the season, before the victory against you and I in the conference tournament. That was frustrating for Drake, but remember in year one, they tied for the regular mm-hmm. season crown. I know. Unthinkable yes. to do that. It, it, it is. Now, it wasn't a great year for the league. What were they, 12-6 and six that year, I want to say? 13-5, something recall, like that. But, but you're not going to give that away uh-uh. if you're Drake. Year two, maybe throughout the season didn't go the way, but you still got that big scalp. You mm-hmm. beat the number one seed in the mm-hmm. conference tournament. Mm-hmm. And now this season, the buzz continues. Wow. And if they can finish it off tonight, and then this weekend, what they have coming in, we're going to be talking about a nationally ranked Drake Bulldog basketball team. Trent, they were fun to watch. And, uh, I mean, they, they clamped down defensively in the mm-hmm. second half. That was a big part of it. I think they held uh, most state, I think they at 10 points in the first 15 minutes of the second half. Brody was unbelievable. Hemphill got it going. He was uh, he was held scoreless in the first 20 minutes. He finished with 12. Penn had an extra 15 in the final 20 minutes. Down the stretch, he was playing out of his mind. Sturts was Sturts. He's so smart. He didn't have a good first half, no. I didn't think. Uh, but certainly did in the second half. And this is a night where Wilkins and Murphy combined to score two points. Two points out of those guys on one of 11 combined shooting, and they still came back and win, or won rather. Just a remarkable performance. Prim, I thought he wore down. I mean, Brody and Prim banging bodies. Uh, perhaps it took a toll on them as well, because most state was coming off a shutdown as well, weren't they? Is that Not, they not the significant... You know, I'm going to look. It wasn't as long as Drake, but I'm pretty sure that... It was their first game in 11, 11 days. There you go. Their first conference game in 16. They uh, they scheduled a game with Missouri S&T. Just to get a little tune-up. Yes, to get that uh, mm-hmm. going for that one. You mentioned uh, the first half, though. Out of prim. That dude was yeah, unstoppable. Was They're down 15. Yes, they look tired. Yep. They look lackadaisical. Uh-huh. And they were a step behind Missouri State all with well, the first entire first half. And the the defensive effort. And it wasn't just a step behind and kind of the laggy feeling that you got, but just they weren't there. And it wasn't in the second half. And they it, tightened down big time. How do you do that? I mean, how do you make that kind of turn? What was said in the locker room at halftime? That's what I would love to know. I mean, did DeVries light him up? Uh, Did he coddle them a little bit? What what did he do? How how did he approach that? I would love to know that part of the story. But Trent, this was was a nice win out of the dogs. They're making... That's unfair. 
We're paying attention to Drake, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, I mean, you, they, they have to have this type of a season to to get the coverage that they deserve. They're busting their humps. Doesn't hurt that Iowa State is way down. Look, when they went on that remarkable run, they had the season that uh, um, you know that, that that they did. How many years ago was that? Now, thirteen, two thousand nine or eight, eight, two thousand eight. So whatever year, 13 years ago it was. Um, this this is remarkable. This is really and truly amazing what they're doing. And they get another opportunity to do it again tonight. Now, last night you found us television coverage. Yes. At the, at the very right. end of the show, you pulled yep. this one out, that the game was going to be on 671-1. And there it was in all its glory. Can you do it again tonight? Don't think I'm pulling a rabbit out of my hat. Everything so it's that iPad. I'm this or is nothing. ESPN Plus for tonight, so you can still watch it. Mm-hmm. You just and you can watch it on your television if you can cast yeah, it up I there. Do that. I know you can do that though. I know you keep telling me, but you can do that. I promise you that it can happen. But yeah, ESPN Plus is where the television coverage is for this evening. So not just flipping on your Directv or your MediaCom and just yeah. having it there. You have to do it that way. I wonder what the um, uh, the, the inline number was last night. If you could have got Drake at the half, what was your what was the money line? Do well, you know? I I found something oh, here, uh-huh. um, and I liked it on Twitter. So let me pull up my Twitter page and my likes because it got high. All right, Drake uh, races fifteen point halftime deficit. Come back, cover the three and a half. Yeah, covered the three and a half on top of it. Mm-hmm. I had four. They were as high as plus seven hundred on the live money. Really. Line. They got the doggies at seven to one. Jeez, uh, terrific effort. Penn was was fantastic. He's such a good player uh, for for this team. Uh, the big fell in the minute in the middle got a goal, and he this Brody's a load, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And he player. was without him in the first half. Yes, they had nothing. Other they might than have been him down twenty five. Yep. And you know what? I maybe my, my bigger takeaways on this game, and he was good all night long. But um, they fouled him. They put him on the line. Uh, when it was getting close, I think it was a three or four point game, mm-hmm. and uh, and most states fouling at that point, and they they Brody got the ball. And of course, they're going to run right to him, put the big fella uh, on the free throw line. Just steps up, calmly hits them both. Just business as usual. You know, thought they found a weakness there. They certainly didn't want Sturt shooting a basketball from the uh, from the uh, charity stripe. Um, uh, big win, big win. So now you get them again tonight. Mm-hmm. You hang out in Springfield, Dry County. What is it really? It is. Come least, on. Apart, my uncle, great uncle, lived in Springfield for I a number of times. There was those anymore. He had to. Well, and I, I guess we're talking back in the early '90s, so it very well could be different. Oh, but it has to. Be I just fun. remember him and my dad going to pick up beer, and they had to go to the other county in order to That's do that. Crazy. Wherever his house was, and what part of Springfield it was, huh. and the like. But uh, that aside, I don't think they're boozing <laughs> with a back-to-back happening there. Right. So you're hanging out. You're getting ready for this game. You have this epic comeback. Is it easier? For DeVries to get these guys locked in from the get-go, we have to be ready. Mm. We can't have a first half. Or do you go the other direction? And for for Gino or Dana Ford saying, hey, these guys got us last night. Mm-hmm. We're better than this. And for them, we have to get this victory. No, Any shot do. at regular season crown, Absolutely. we have to get this yep. win. Who's got the easier job going into it tonight? Uh, I, mm, these mm, back-to-backs are so odd. We, they really are. We're just not used to it in college no, basketball. No, we're not. Uh, I don't know the answer. I, I would say DeVries just because the first 20 minutes last night was so bad. But you can say the same about Missouri State, their second 20 minutes. I mean, Drake just clamped down. They, Mo State scored 10 points in the first 15 minutes of the second half. 10! 
after scoring 41 points uh, in in the first 20 minutes. Ah, good game. Good game for the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Hope everybody saw it. Um, you know, there was, what else was going on last night? I mean, Oklahoma, Texas was good. It was really good. Uh, now, sadly, I missed the final few minutes. I don't know where I was. I knew it was starting to get close, and I wanted to get back. Maybe the Jets were on the power play or something, and I couldn't turn it back. But um, uh, good for Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, fun basketball game last night. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame for a few minutes. Any problem with the, uh, with the voters uh, declining uh, to... Uh, you know, push anybody past that 75% threshold needed to gain entrance into the Hall of Fame. Look, we, it's not like there's not going to be a ceremony. There is. We've got guys from last year. Derek Jeter. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll have a good speech. Larry Walker. I'm looking forward to the Canadian talking um, when he gets to Cooperstown. There's a couple more. Um, Ted Simmons might have gone on by the in, by the Veterans Committee, I think. All right. And then... Was it Marvin Miller? One of the one of the players association. I thought I know the two players that, that got inducted. We're going to have Larry Walker. We're going to have Derek Jeter. But to the here and now, any problem with yesterday? The way that it went, Schilling got close. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to be removed from the ballot in, in his final year. The Baseball Writers Association has uh, responded to his request this uh, this morning, and they have said no. Uh, you're going to remain on the ballot. Look, Kirk Schilling is a Hall of Fame pitcher. There's no doubt in my mind. Kurt Schilling is a Hall of Fame pitcher. What he did in the regular season elevated it even more in the postseason. But I, there's people out there, voters that just will not even think twice about leaving him off their ballot because of his politics or because of some of his um, his Twitter or his social media, the social media presence. And he does rub people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It's not the morality Hall of Fame. No, it's not. You're electing him for. You're electing him for the baseball Hall of Fame. Like, Ty Cobb is a racist. Yes. And, and he's outright, in the Hall of outspoken Fame. Outspoken. Without racist. a doubt. Without a doubt. How many players that are in the Hall of Fame today, that if Twitter would have been around in the 60s, 50s, 70s, 80s, <laughs> would we be thinking differently, right? Uh-huh, right. If there was video cameras, mm-hmm. how, many, how many of us would be thinking differently about some of our heroes, whether our, your hero is a Hall of Famer or not? We're not perfect. Chris Schilling is a Hall of Fame pitcher. Kurt Schilling is a Hall of Fame. I think I can say it. I'm not going to say it. There was a time it would have. Um, a-hole. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. But he's a Hall of Fame pitcher. And he's not going to get in. He didn't get in. Bonds. He's a Hall of Fame player. In an era where more people than you'd think were putting needles in their body to um, enhance their performance. Likewise, Roger Clements. Roger Clements is a better b- pitcher than Kurt Schilling. Yes. And Schilling's a Hall of Famer. What does that make Roger Clemens? And that's where my problem is. See, it's the era, Trent. You just can't say that this era didn't exist. It did. Because I think with Schilling, when you just look at the resume, you can poke holes. I never won a Cy Young award. But he he struck out over 3,000. And that magic number is always 500 home runs, Mm -hmm. 3,000 strikeouts. And he was above that. Won 216 games. Well, Mm -hmm. the old threshold was 300. We know it's different. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And his era was starting to Mm -hmm. become different. So you can poke at least some holes in there. Look at the postseason with with the snakes and with the socks. And that's what pushes it over. And it's not the bloody socks. But is there any residual era questions with him to... About the steroid part, or do you think it is? I don't. I've never seen it. Ninety percent is the political part. Yes, I believe it is. I think you're right. It's on that. Twitter. It's yeah. Facebook. And didn't he have that? Uh, didn't he? Um, 
There were a lot of victims of some kind. Didn't he open, start a business, a video business? Yes, in video ki- games, right? Was, I don't know. Was it video? It was up in New England. One I was going to say Connecticut. States. Yeah, that sounds right. And it went belly up. I think so. And, yeah. and, and it was, and he was in business with the state. I want to think, and okay. the state lost a lot of money investing in Kurt Schilling, the name and the person. And next year, it's just going to be. I mean, the the debate is going to take a whole different turn because you know who's eligible next year, and I don't think this guy has a prayer of getting close. Who's that? Alex Rodriguez? Oh, is up there, and he was suspended from baseball for a year. Right. This wasn't a slap on. This was take the year off. Um, and David Ortiz, Big Poppy, and Big Poppy never tested positive. What was the name of the report? And I've been racking my brain. The Mitchell Report? It is the Mitchell Report. That's what I thought it was. And I couldn't, I wasn't 100% sure. He was part of the Mitchell Report. He absolutely was. But now I don't know if this was spin, if this was saving face, because when the Mitchell Report was leaked, mm-hmm. and it was leaked, both the Players Association and Major League Baseball, come hell or high water, this report was never going to see the light of day. That was some of the reason, because wasn't there anonymity granted? Yes. Yes. 100%. And that's why this report was never going to come out. Yet it was leaked. And both entities have come out and said, well, not every name on that can be collaborated. Right. So they kind of, yeah, these guys are, all of these guys are on it, but they may not deserve to be on it. It's a little three-card Monty going on. It is, absolutely, because the report was never supposed to be leaked, Uh and Ortiz was on that. I don't think that gets held against him. He never, and and look, he's David Ortiz. You're going to test him, right? Right. You're you're a Twins fan. Yeah. He was a different twin than he was a Red Sox. Well, that was a different era of Twins baseball, and they ruined him, and they gave up on him too quickly on top mm-hmm. of it. But would he have become David Ortiz had he stayed in the Metrodome? Not at the same level, I don't think. He would have been a very good player. He would have been an all-star Hall of Famer. No. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Now, how different are those two early 2000 teams with him in the middle of the lineup? Yeah. Now, teams that won a lot of division titles, but that was kind of the one part that was lacking, that big bopper in the middle. Throw him in the mix with Maurer Morneau. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> the Eminem boys and him, you know. He, I just 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 popped into my head. Do you remember after the Boston Marathon bombing? Mm-hmm. Do you remember Ortiz's speech? Yes, at Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you know the whole Boston Strong mm-hmm. hashtag that was out there. Here's my question to you: If Kurt Schilling stands up at Fenway Park and says exactly what David Ortiz said, does that? Assuage some opinions about the person that Kurt Schilling is? Yes. I think so, too. If he is as political as Kurt Schilling is, but he's on the other side of the aisle, he's a Hall of Famer right now. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And I don't agree with many of the things that Kurt Schilling says. See, I don't read them, so I don't get too caught up in it. When the stories that come out, though, say, oh, he went too far. Because I don't read the day-to-day ramblings either. Right. But usually it's a story, and you see the story, and it's when he goes from just his thoughts mm-hmm. and pushes the envelope. Mm-hmm. And when you see those, I'm, yeah, okay, we, we don't agree. But that's the unfortunate part. And when he said what he said yesterday, that since no, that I'm just going to go to the Veterans Committee. Take right, me off right, the ballot. Right, right, right. We have no respect for the baseball writers. He's going to wait until the Veterans Committee puts him in, the baseball players put them in. And then he did say this, though. 
I don't believe I'm a Hall of Famer, but and I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but if my peers think I am, then I will gladly accept it. Yeah, I have the uh, the quote right here. What is it? I don't think I'm a Hall of Famer, as I've often stated, but if former players think I am, then I'll accept that with honor. He said, I am requesting to be removed from the ballot. I'll defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter mm. and who are in a position to actually judge a player, unquote. Yeah, look, there, there's a lot of payback there. there there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, in the old days, before COVID, when baseball writers were allowed into locker rooms, and if, if you were... You know, if you were treated poorly, you thought you were treated poorly, or you needed a quote for your story and one of these players wasn't willing to help you out, you looked at him differently, unfortunately. And you held, and a lot of them held it against some of these yeah. guys. That's just the way it was. It's not right, but that's the way it was. And, and still is. So, look, Kurt Schilling's a Hall of Famer. Bonds is a Hall of Famer. One more. Lemons is a Hall of Famer. Does this go differently if... We're in a normal year. If last year's 2020 inductees actually had their day in the had sun, had their day, yeah. does that sway and say we got at least put one yeah, person in? Interesting, and that one person shilling because he would have got the club. You know what? He would might have. He might have been the one because it's ha- it's happened recently. What it happened? Uh, yeah, I can't remember the year, but yes. I think, and then before that, it was a big gap. It was 2012, 2011. It has happened anyways in the last decade, um, but. Good debate. We'll get back into it with David Kaplan. We are going to uh, head to Nebraska, talk to our friend Mitch Sherman, who covers the Huskers. How bad can it get? Have all of the shoes dropped? Is there more to come? Man. Uh, You know, here's my question, Trent, to you, first of all, Uh because this is a pretty passionate fan base. I know a lot of uh, um, think they're over the top, think that they are the worst fan base in all the sports. They may well be. Um, That doesn't, I don't get too riled up about that part of it. but yesterday during the breaks, we had we had two calls that you were doing something that they're just lovely. They're relishing the misery that's going on over in the state of Nebraska with the football program. It's 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 a passionate, passionate fan base. I wonder if some of that passionate fan base is waking up this morning saying, you know what, scratching their head, thinking maybe there is something wrong here. Maybe Frosty the Coachman isn't the right guy. Maybe this is a little bit longer rebuild than I thought it was going to be. Maybe we're not going to be back for a while. Does, is that happening? I, I think it has, and I think it happened a lot sooner in the era. There's still the lunatic fringe that thinks the next recruit is going to be the one that yeah, pushes them over absolutely. the edge, that they have the right guy, that everything's in place, and it's just about having the end in the helmet, and that's enough to make them a power in college football. But that number has certainly dwindled, and reality is set in. And it's not just about being a flashy object and bringing in the right guy. It's hard work to get there. Do they have the coaching staff that is willing to do that, to put in that kind of hard work? And I wonder, speaking of the coaching staff, I wonder if it's not part and parcel because of some of the defections. Because seemingly, after Frost announced that they're all coming back, mm-hmm. then the players started point. to exit stage right. Mitch Sherman coming up. Right now, it's time for another $1,000 slam dunk. Text the keyword EASY to 200-200. Right now, it's your chance at $1,000. EASY to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Coming up on 1025 on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM, Des Moines Sports Station. See what I did there? I got you, I got you. I'm learning. Uh, We'll be back after this with Mitch Sherman on 1460 and 106. And exclusions apply.
Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. programming note. Just see the fanatics of the uh, new Roosevelt football coach, uh, Jared Barnett, will join them today at 4.30. So the fanatics have uh, the former Cyclone. Now Roosevelt's new football coach taking over for Mitch Moore, who moves east. Right now, Mitch Sherman, as we go west to Nebraska, Mitch Sherman joins us. He covers the Huskers for the Athletic. Appreciate him coming on. Mitch, Trenton, Ken, uh, it's been a long time. Good to speak with you. Mitch, how are you? Yeah, good to talk to you guys, too. I'm glad that you got all those names and directions right there. That was uh, confusing. <laughs> uh, Absolutely intro, was. But, uh, yeah, it's good to uh, good to connect with you guys. Absolutely. So let me uh, – I mean, the news reverberated over here when it came out. And um, my question to you is, Mitch, is, is – was the fact that, it, that there – is there any correlation between Frost announcing – the entire coaching staff is coming back for 2021. That seemed to be, or is it just a coincidence that after that was announced that the defections started to come? Yeah, I don't think those were related. Um, it would just happen that that was his, his first media opportunity or okay. media availability um, since the uh, since the Rutgers game on December 18th. And this is generally the time of year. Well, these things coincide. I mean, this is the time of the year in mid-January when contracts are rolled over and 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 renewed or, or not renewed. Um, and it's also the start of the spring semester, which was, was yesterday at Nebraska. Monday was, was supposed to be. It was snowed out. So yesterday classes started. And that's typically a time um, that, that's kind of the closing of the door, or you might see it open for a few more days. But it's a natural point where you're going to have transfers. Not to say that anything that happened yesterday was natural um, or, the, or was – I'm not minimizing it at all – when I wrote, I think it's a it's a red flag. Yep. Uh, there are there should be alarm bells ringing uh, in, in Lincoln um, on the offensive side of things with with the number of players who have departed, not just in, in the wake of the 2020 season, but over the last two seasons. Um, and most of these guys, uh, one of the three yesterday, but the majority in in recent uh, months have been Frost signees. So early in in his time at Nebraska. There was there was always a built-in reasoning when players hit the transfer portal that he was still weeding out players who didn't fit his culture from the previous regime. Well, now he's had 22 of his signees since that 2018 class, his first, who have left the program. That's that's too many. It's a high number. Um, I went through the portal last night and looked and compared that to others in the Big Ten. Um, Iowa's had 10 over the last 13 months. Um, Ohio State's had five. Wisconsin's had seven. Indiana's had single digits. Um, and Nebraska's had 24. Mm-hmm. So and that's just scholarship players. It's 37 if you add in the walk-ons. Wow. Um, you know, not that all of these guys are going and starring at other Power 5 programs, but they're leaving holes on the roster and their departures, like in the case of Cade Warner, who was a captain this year. Right. Uh, speaks to some disharmony and some chemistry issues and just some overall um, movement in the wrong direction uh, under Frost and Lincoln. Will Farniak is uh, one certainly around here. People are wondering, Iowa State connection certainly with uh, one of his brothers, a football family too. And when you see somebody like this, Mm -hmm. 
from a football family that knows there's going to be rough times leaving. I don't know. Of the three, that was the, the biggest alert to me. Your takeaway from him, and, and with that, kind of hand in hand, any initial talk about any of these guys, where they may end up? Interesting that uh, you talk about football families, and yes, the Farniaks are a football family. Matt Farniak, Will's older brother, um, was a multi-year starter on the Nebraska offensive line and, and is, is heading off to try to, to land in the NFL um, instead of coming back for a sixth year next season at Nebraska. So both Farniaks are gone from Nebraska, and, and as you mentioned, there's other family connections there to football. But um, you know, outside of our little bubble, um, McCaffrey and Warner are much bigger football names than than, uh, than Will Farniak is. Uh, you know, the son of, of Kurt Warner, Cade, and, and the son of, of Ed McCaffrey, brother of Christian Dylan McCaffrey, w- with Luke. Um, I mean, you're losing the sons of two former NFL stars. So, um, and, and I don't I don't believe that that it's an indictment from Ed McCaffrey or Kurt Warner. Um, what happened yesterday. You know, I think these were decisions that were made individually by the players, but um, these are all offensive guys at Nebraska. Um, as I said, Cade was a captain. Luke was the starting quarterback for two games, played big roles in other games, including the Iowa game for Nebraska this year. So um, as far as where they're going to go, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Cade Warner landed in the state of Iowa. Um, you know, we've heard Kurt um, be outspoken in his feelings about Matt Campbell um, not to say that he was trying to get his son a spot on that team, but there are connections, of course, with the state of Iowa and the Warner sure. family. So, uh, you know, Kurt's in Arizona with his family. He has a, another son who is in high school right now. Um, so if Kate ends up uh, in the Southwest, I guess that wouldn't surprise me, but neither would would um, would Iowa State. Um could say the same thing with uh, with Will Farniak, who's going to be a grad transfer. He'll stay at Nebraska through this semester and then um, graduate in May and, and move on. With McCaffrey, it's it's tough to say. Um, he wants to go somewhere where he can play quarterback, and I think that's really going to limit his options. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, just with his pedigree, I, I would expect that he's going to want to end up at a Power 5 school. You know, brother brothers who, who uh, play at Stanford, Michigan, um, you know, his family has experienced football at the highest level. I, I don't think that a drop in, in classification would sit all that well with him. But his dad, Ed, Ed, is the head coach at FCS Northern Colorado. So I suppose if nothing works out for him to get a, what he considers the right shot as a quarterback, he could uh, go play for his dad at home. Interesting. Uh, it's, it's a passionate fan base. It's a fan base that um, at least not all fan bases have them. It's, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but there's nothing wrong. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to work out. I trust our coach and coach we trust. Uh, is is mm-hmm. some of that starting to go away? Is I don't want to say it's a honeymoon with Frost, but there's a hardcore group over there that thinks that he can't do anything wrong and he's going to get us back to where we deserve to be is that number of fans shrinking at all yeah i think there's skepticism at this point he's 12 and 20 in three years and this last year like with every program i think it comes with uh some understanding that things were very difficult in 2020 um you know both on the on the uh, player development and and uh, and growth area especially when you're a program like nebraska in your third year i mean if it's if it's uh year 20 something um like like at iowa uh, although you know Iowa had its own challenges during the pandemic, but you could argue were more difficult to to uh, to handle in that environment than what Nebraska faced. So 
as I said, every every situation was unique in these past 12 months, and none of them were easy. So uh, to me, it's not an excuse for, for Nebraska having another losing season, but you understand where some of the difficult uh, moments uh, came from. Um, yeah, people people are, are impatient. Um, I think Scott Frost is impatient. Um, there was no expectation, no 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 thought at all that he would be entering year four, still looking for his first winning season. And, and you, you take a peek at that schedule next year, which is still subject subject to some adjustments. Um, and it's going to be tough to uh, to make a big jump at, at this point. Nebraska fans are past the stage right now, well past the stage at, at, with five losing seasons in the last six years of. Um, of, of longing or of, of, of feeling that, that they belong in the, the 10, 11, 12 win club, like 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. This is, this is like, let's celebrate if, if you get to seven and five in, mm-hmm. in 2021, I think that's, that's kind of the mindset of Nebraska fans right now. And yes, there, there is a, a level of impatience too. Is there also been a wake up call of just how different college football is today than 1996? It's, a completely different one, and that was always my argument. Now, I thought Scott Frost would do a better job than he has at this point, but to get to those levels, to compete for national championships, I don't know if it can happen again at Nebraska. I don't think it's realistic, and really, maybe it's only realistic for five programs anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's realistic in the sense that it's realistic for Iowa and, and Wisconsin and Minnesota. Um, you know, a lot of teams that, that aren't named Ohio State in the Big Ten. And and, and, right. and even Ohio State, you saw what happened when, yeah. when it got on the biggest stage this year. College football is is top heavy, and I, I think those I don't I don't think that those expectations exist in Nebraska to to um, return to. You know, Scott Frost wants to return some things, some some cultural things to the way they were when he played. I don't think he wants to return the expectations to. Um, hey, you went eleven and two in your junior season. He did, and it was it was a, it was a huge disappointment. That's mm-hmm. it's not where, where he's expecting, uh, or 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 even really wanting to be right now. Um, you know, he he didn't jump out of nineteen ninety six and into Nebraska three years ago. Obviously, he had been in college football, has been in college football as a coach for quite some time, and and you know understood what it took to succeed um, because of his experiences at UCF and at Oregon. Um, and even as a lower level assistant. So, um, it's, um, you know, he's drawing on all of that, including his time as a Nebraska quarterback in, in, in setting what he, what he expects, where he expects the bar to be. Um, heading into year four now and, and in these past three years. At Lincoln. Mitch Sherman covers the Huskers at The Athletic. Mitch, my last thing for you, away from Nebraska, just uh, get your opinion on uh, on Brett Bielema. What kind of, what kind of uh, uh, difficulties will he face trying to rebuild the Illini program? Well, um, you're walking into a place, you know, much like Scott Frost three years ago, where there's not a lot of room to uh, to climb up that ladder, you know, it's tough to get on the ladder uh, in the in the Big Ten West. It's it's um, you know doesn't have the the reputation of the East because there's no Ohio State mm-hmm. in this division. But it's tough uh, tough to tough to progress and 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 climb um, with the with the programs that are are currently above Illinois. I think he's going to attempt to modernize that offense. You know, that's been documented in in his first few weeks on the job with some of the hires that he's made this is not going to be the same wisconsin offense that we saw him him 
uh, have success with. They will throw the ball more. They'll spread things out. Um, I'm excited just to uh, to have that personality yeah, in the league yep. um, and to uh, you know to get to experience some Brett Bielema. He brings a, uh, some fun uh, to, to to college football and to the Big Ten, and and um, it'll be uh, it'll be enjoyable to uh, to see what he's able to do um, starting in his debut in August against Nebraska. That game is currently on the schedule to be played in Dublin, Ireland, mm. and I, uh, I'm not crossing it out right now, but I don't expect uh, a trip across the Atlantic for the Bielema nebraska season opener. I think we may be in Champaign for that game, but we will uh, you know, find out officially at some point from the Big Ten or these schools uh, where that's uh, – where that one's going to be played. Not jumping on Expedia and lining up a flight. <laughs> uh, we'll, we shall see. Mitch, great to talk to you. Thanks for uh, uh, shedding some light on what's going on over there. We appreciate the conversation. Thank you, Mitch Sherman. All right, take care, guys. Good to talk to you. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic as uh, we talk a little Big Ten West and Big Ten and Nebraska football. Uh, we're switch gears entirely. College basketball, the four teams in our state. We'll talk to Kevin Lehman, basketball analyst. Washer Systems of Iowa sponsors our conversation weekly with Kevin. Uh, he is next. Cappy at 11.05, Miller and Condon till noon on 1460 KXNO and one at com. Welcome back, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Washer Systems of Iowa sponsors our conversation with Kevin Lehman. Let's get into it. We will see the Hawks on Friday night against Illinois. We'll see Drake again tonight after winning last night in come-from-behind fashion. Iowa State goes on the road to take on Mississippi State, who fell in a close one last night to Tennessee. Did you see any of that? I did. I watched, oh, I don't know, five minutes maybe yeah. of it just kind of flipping around, and, and they look good. Pretty good backcourt. Mississippi State. Well, I'll lean on you. I didn't see a minute of it when we get uh, when you get back in here to talk about that game on Friday. Right now, Kevin Lehman joins us. Kevin, Trent and Ken, got to start with you. Uh, most state place you've been to a million times calling games. Uh, what a come from behind victory last night for the Drake Bulldogs who looked lethargic, a step slow, looked like they were coming off a long layoff. Take us into the locker room. In your opinion, Kevin, how did uh, DeVries handle the halftime speech? Did he get after him? Did he coddle him a little bit? How do you think he handled it to get that effort, especially defensively, as they clamped down in the second 20 minutes? Ken, if I know Darren DeVries like I do, it was all positive. Uh, And build his team up. The second half performance by Drake was amazing. They outscore Missouri State in that second half, 42-20. to 20. And I said this to Trent right before he came on air. The Bulldogs had five turnovers. They're on the road. They haven't played for 22 days. That's an unheard of stat That's in college basketball. Uh, <laughs> Roman Penn is unbelievable. Right. He is the best point guard in the Valley. 20 points, only two assists, but six rebounds. But, you know, Darren... He just works his magic. Whatever his speech that was, he better can it. He could probably put it in a book and sell it. For sure. Because they were phenomenal in the second half. Can they repeat again tonight? Boy, if they are, they're going to be top 20. Mm. Yeah, that's worth their trend in that Illinois State coming up after that over the weekend. Kevin, uh, as you go through and you look at this Drake team, one thing that stood out to me as I was looking at the roster and some of the 
new names and getting to know this team a little bit better is it's been three years to freeze and three really completely different teams. The rosters are changing. The star players are changing. There's been a couple of constants there. But overall, he has built teams three different ways, and he's had success with three uh, different squads. How does a coach in college basketball be able to do that? Well, what he did that first year was really amazing because he took that program over. He had like maybe two or three guys on his roster. Hmm. And remember, they won the Valley. They had a share of the Valley that year with Loyola in year number one. That, I thought, was amazing itself. And then, like you said, Trent, he's rebuilt this program or this team this year. But I think part of their success is if you look at Tramel Murphy, Tank Hemphill, Roman Penn, Wilkins, Jones Jackson, they all came from the same area around Gary, Indiana. These guys have played together since they're about fifth grade. I really think that's a key to this year's success. After a 22-day layoff, it's like, you know, if you're on a great high school team that you played in some of these small schools, like Palmer, Iowa, those guys played together since fourth yeah. grade. That's kind of what these guys are like. They know each other so well. I don't think the layoff would hurt them as much as it would uh, a so-called normal team where they come from all parts of the country. Palmer, Troy Skinner era, that was uh, certainly something over there. They had some dudes. Uh, let's, um, you know, it's just, you, brought, you said the word success. It, it leads me to my next point. And you know what success means to coaches at some of these smaller schools, right? Another opportunity comes knocking, Kevin. And if they continue the run that they're on, combine that with the body of work that he's put together the last two years, as Trent mentioned uh, now a couple of times on the show, and he's 100% right, what what does this mean? What I mean, how does Drake? Because they're going to come calling, Kevin. That's just the way it is. Hell, they Jamie Pollard might pick up the phone if Steve Prom decides to to move on. We don't know if that'll happen or not, but there's certainly buzz out there. Um, how difficult is it for for Drake going to be when if it comes to that and the way it's going, it's going to come to that to keep him. Great question. I've already saw his name appear on uh, Indiana list in case. They don't uh, hmm. stick with Archie Miller there. Yep. Or excuse me, was it was it Arizona? Was it, yeah, it was Indiana. Indiana list. So yeah, it's going to come up. Brian Harden's got to have his ducks in order. I really believe he does. Uh, and you know, we had the same discussion, Trent and Ken, when I had Loyola at uh, Northern Iowa at Loyola because we asked both Porter Mosier and Ben Jackson because they had opportunities to leave yep. after that Final Four move. Yep. Uh, ben, you know, after that great 2010 run, and then again after Seth Tuttle. And those two had talked to each other about it. And what Porter Moser said, Ben Jackson told him, don't mess with Happy. Mm. So does Darren have all he wants? You know, he's in Iowa, he's from Iowa, uh, his family's around, he's got a great thing going. So do you make that jump for the money? For the ego, or do you stay where it's happy? So it's a great question. I think each person has to answer it differently. But Drake's going to have to ante up and redo this contract. And uh, has a son coming in next season. If That's a great point, Trent. If there was a time to make a move, it'd be this one. If you keep him after this year, though, you got to feel pretty confident going forward that he's going to be sticking around. Kevin Lehman joining us as we talk college basketball. All right, Kevin, uh, let's jump over to the other team with some good success this year. It is the Iowa Hawkeyes, but since we last spoke, a loss to Indiana, now this long layoff. And going through practice this week, I'm going to guess that Fran maybe is hollering at these guys a time or two, getting ready for the game with Illinois Friday night. I'd say what, I did not see that one coming. Mm-hmm. Did not see that coming. But 
if you look at those stats, when is Bo Hannon and C.J. Frederick going to go 0 for 9 from the field uh, in a 12-minute scoring drop by the Hawkeyes? I, I think this is an aberration, but this is also what scares Hawkeye fans. Because you get the NCAA tournament guys, mm-hmm. and you have a you have a twelve inch spurt like that, you're going home. If <laughs> uh, their defense is not able to carry them through, that's been the problem with this Hawkeye team. I just don't see it happen again. Uh, if you look at uh, Garza and Wieskamp goes sixteen to thirty two against Indiana, the rest of the team is eight for thirty one from the field. I don't think that's going to happen again either. So. Uh, Tough game at Illinois, guys, and they got a schedule coming up. Yes, they do. Michigan State game add in. They got three games in five days, four games in eight days. So uh, you better you better be ready to guard some people. Yeah, indeed. Illinois Friday, and then the Michigan State game you alluded to. Uh, Ohio State comes to Iowa City, then they go off to Bloomington. Oh, baby, buckle up. It's uh, it's going to be a fun final month of the season. Kevin, let's go to Ames Monday night. Shorthanded, the COVID protocols uh, kept uh, four starters off the floor. I think, what, six or seven athletes in, in all uh, were unable to play in the basketball game. Look, they you, I don't think you can take anything away from that game, right? We didn't learn anything. They they tried. They played as, as hard as they could. Rasir Bolton's their, their leader, and he was going to do everything thing he couldn't he and he did he just didn't have the horses to go along with him uh did you what was your takeaway from watching them on monday night kev and you've got four starters that aren't even dressed trey jackson coleman landis javon johnson Solomon young i mean that's that's a tough task for anybody uh and rochelle bolton's out there as a lone starter they got a mississippi state team everybody steps out in the uh Big 12 to play that SEC. And, you know, that's Ben Howland, the old UCLA coach at Mississippi State, guys. So he's going to have some talent down there. That's, that's, uh, and it's, it's a road game, another road game for Iowa State. I'm just looking down their schedule trying to think when can they get a win yeah. in the Big 10. Because next they got West, West Virginia. Oklahoma is surging. They got to mm-hmm. go to Oklahoma, uh, at TCU. It's, it's going to be a tough road here for the Iowa State Cyclones going forward. And trying to keep them together, right? I mean, how does how does I think that's a huge task for Prome because you you got to know what it's you know what it's like, Kevin. A team that's you know piling up the losses. These kids aren't having any fun. Well, can throw COVID in there too because you're not sure. hanging out with your that's a great either, point or yeah. your buddies. It it just doubles the yeah. issues you're dealing with. And I think we're seeing some big blowouts because of that. I mean. Northern Iowa at Loyola, they lose by 40. That's just not what Northern Iowa does. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing that. Uh, and, you know, Illinois loses twice at home. There's just so many strange things going on. There is no home court advantage anymore, guys. It does not exist. Your bench has to bring you the energy in these empty arenas. Even as an announcer, guys, you know, a lot of times when a big play happens, you lay out and let the crowd noise bring the audience in. We have to work harder now as play-by-play and analysts because there cannot be any dead air time because there's no crowd noise. It's different for us also. So it's going to be really different for the players. Final thing, uh, we talked last week about Kentucky, Carolina, Duke not being in the top 25. Watching Duke last night, how does it happen like this? They, They had a couple of guys come back, highly ranked guys. They're just not good. How does that happen at a place like Duke when they're recruiting at a high level? Trent, they're not good. Kentucky's not good. And I don't know how good North Carolina is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Michigan State's not good, guys. Nope. All four of those could may not be in the tournament this year. 
I just we talked about it last week. I think we're seeing a whole new uh, evolution here in college basketball. The blue bloods are gone, and we're going to have uh, the teams that have kids around for three, four years: Gonzaga, Baylor, Hawkeyes. I think that's the new norm. Works for me, Kevin Lehman, Washer Systems of Iowa sponsors. Kev, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Real quick, Kevin, five seconds. Where? When's your next assignment? I've got Northern Iowa at Southern Illinois doubleheader. We go Saturday, and we turn around and do it again Sunday. We'll be watching. Thanks, Kevin. Talk to you next week. Hour two coming up next.